Hi there, and welcome to the Future of Influence podcast. Here we discuss the power of influence, leadership, overcoming challenges, and more. They call me King Raj Singh, creator of the Future of Influence podcast. Stay on after the show, and we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in our industry. With that, here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode uh, uh, today I have with me uh, Dion Mischler. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about your professional background and how you got to the West Coast? Sure, absolutely. So I've been in sales and tech for the last 20 some odd years since graduating college and um, born and raised in the Midwest in the Chicago, Chicagoland area suburbs. So still identify as a Midwesterner, um, even though now being in Southern California and so I had back in the day, never really been west of the Mississippi and a friend of mine had moved to Seattle. And so I went to visit her and I just went, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And was at a point where I was able to move. And so I did, and that started the journey that led me then down here to Southern California. Well, and can you tell us about your journey, uh, not only uh, professionally, but the journey that led you to focusing on inside sales? Yeah. So, you know, being raised in the Midwest and blue collar family, I'm, I'm much more of a function over form person. And so as I had gone into tech and sales and all that good stuff, there was a part of me that always felt that from an outside sales perspective, there's so much drive time and, and there are some inefficiencies from a time perspective. And I'm a person that is, is runs pretty high urgently, right? So I kind of always operate in the exclamation quadrant. And so as I was moving to Southern California and I worked for a Microsoft partner, a lot of those executives had come from Microsoft at the Microsoft partner and were bringing this concept of inside sales to the table. And so I was like, that's perfect. And so the concept of inside sales speaks to the balance that I seek for both quality interaction and quantity of interaction. And so especially now with technology, finally it's kind of caught up to the idea of inside sales really enables all of that at the end of the day, which is nice. So I love inside sales because there's this very much of an efficient component and the ability to connect with people at the same time. So it's not necessarily an or, it's the and. I started in business many, many years ago, and the dichotomy between outside sales and inside sales was broken down pretty easily. Extroverts were outside sales, introverts were inside sales, or it was the detail-oriented people were inside sales. Does that dichotomy still exist, or actually sounds like you've moved way past that? Um. So I think I think the dichotomy does exist, right? And so because the the history of sales is so long and and to this day people think sales and they think bad and sleazy and I'm going to get Jedi mind tricked into buying Ginsu knives I don't need, right? And so however, there is an evolution as with all things and it really depends on your business. Right. So you've got different models for sales, you know, inside, outside, hybrid account management, CS, appointment setters. It really depends on your business model. Um, A gentleman by the name of Justin Rolf Marsh wrote a book, The Machine, where they actually have business development consultants. and, And their model is your outside salesperson is exactly that. They're they're this outside in-person facilitator 
with an air traffic controller inside, right? And so they, this outside salesperson leaves a meeting, reports back to their business development consultant, right? Or whatever it's called, I might be getting that title wrong. And they download, right, to that person who is back at the home office, air traffic control, typing notes, doing next steps, all that good stuff that literally coordinates that. So it really depends on your model. If you're a SaaS startup, you probably need cradle to grave. If you're an enterprise, you need this. IBM has something like 2,000 appointment setters, plus an inside sales team that sets appointments, that does lead gen, plus an inside sales team that sells cradle to grave, plus outside. So it's really, it can become very complex. Leadership needs to know their customer, their business model, how they move, how they sell, all that good stuff, right? Um, You told us about your journey um, in sales and in inside sales, but I'd like to actually take it up a level because um, you're incredibly passionate about inside sales. And why, why the passion and what does the passion you have, how does that translate into what you're able to bring as a service? So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm super passionate about it. So it's funny, when I first started uh, my career after college and, and I every, from a um, characteristic standpoint, I always ended up in a sales capacity because I enjoy talking with people and I enjoy helping people, right? So 20 some odd years ago, that wasn't necessarily really in vogue from a sales perspective, right? It was all about the dollars and all that good stuff. And I'm passionate about inside sales because, and in sales in general, because it is about helping people. It's about people, right? Revenue is an outcome, not necessarily what you lead with. And so I'm super passionate about sales from that perspective and being able to lead with a value message and go from there. And then that cascades to inside sales because we have the opportunity and even sales, um, but from an inside sales perspective, we have the opportunity to bring ourselves and our solutions to more people that need them. And so if we can kind of get past ourselves in a capacity, then we can we can truly have these conversations with people that can help them. And that's a good thing. And every single time I've stood up an inside sales team, I always get the tap on the shoulder. Hey, Dion, that playbook that you wrote for your inside sales team and your onboarding plan, can we, can we use that for our outside sales team? How about our customer success team? How about account management? Absolutely, right? Because we focus on the framework. We focus on the foundation um, to, to really have people have a system to operate in. There's a word that I, uh, I've heard throughout uh, your uh, discussion. You haven't specifically used it, but the word is trust. And it seems to me that you have a way to help inside sales build trust with uh, customer base or even other stakeholders, even in uh, the coronavirus COVID-19 situation. But uh, if we weren't in COVID, if we were in 2022 or 2019, that's still an important part. Would that be a fair statement? Yes, that is true. And it is all about trust. Right. And so like like many folks that are professionals have done so much reading and, you know, love the Covey books and talking about speed of trust and the go giver and all that good stuff. And it, it truly is making sure our heart and mind is in the right place and 
Um, again, there's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with revenue. Um, I just don't think we need to lead with that edginess, right? And so that that's my approach. It's a little bit softer than some folks, and um, but that's that's okay too, right? The 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 revenue will come if if we're in the right spot. Uh, so I'm from Texas. So we unapologetically say uh, we love money. We love talking about money. We love thinking about money. We're not offended by people who do that. So uh, that's part of our DNA. But I understand it's not that way everywhere. Yeah, and and I think that's okay. It's it's funny, right? We were um, at the risk of being a little controversial, but we were we were at church, and um, and of course the message was about tithing and all that good stuff, right? And. And so our pastor was talking about, he goes, you know, Jesus actually talks about money and how it's okay to be prosperous more than he talks about heaven, right? And so again, it's not bad. It's not, we need to understand that things in life aren't free, right? They cost money and we need to understand that. And we need to have that balance. And I think you used the word earlier, the dichotomy of, Yes, we're going to make money. However, we're not going to sell our mother up the street to get it either, right? So there's a there's integrity and there's soul that comes with it at the end of the day. What led you to found Inside Sales by Design? Hmm. Yeah, so again, it kind of comes back to I, I love what I do and standing up teams and all that good stuff. And I wanted to be able to do more of that and help more people number one. And so by having my own organization, I'm, I'm able to do that. Um, number one and number two at the time, gosh, it was six years ago. So my kids would have been five and three. And I thought it was crazy that I would literally see them three hours a day. And so I was like, how do I find a balance between being able to be there with my kiddos and function as a mom and do this work. And so those were, those were the two driving factors for me. So what, uh, one of the things I found in researching you and your podcast was a great phrase, which I think is absolutely appropriate for where we are uh, at this point in time, the rising power of inside sales. Why are you so passionate around that? And does that message really resonate with uh, enterprises literally from the startup all the way to, you mentioned the IBMs of the world, but a large a legacy enterprise. Yeah, um, the short answer is yes. Um, it definitely resonates with folks. It resonates at the executive level first, which is fine because for some organizations, it's a very big shift. And a lot of a lot of individuals and organizations approach sales with a little bit more of an old school mentality. I've got to hire outside salespeople. They're expensive. I need a Rolodex. I need this. I need that, which is fine. Um, however, inside sales and, you know, marketing and, and inbound and LinkedIn and lead generation campaigns, there's a lot that can be done digitally that is still high value, high quality, then you can have this inside salesperson. And so there's, there is a way to make it happen without this, oh, I need to hire, you know, a $500,000 a year outside salesperson, and I may or may not get what I need. And so I'm passionate about it because it is for some organizations and some individuals, it is the right, the right model for their business and more importantly for their customers, right? So we were, we were competing 
um, for some business and we were going up against, it was Microsoft and another big name tech. I mean, there were 13 people around this table and a sales psychologist, right? So it's just like, if you start looking around that meeting and you start adding it up, that's an expensive meeting. And if you're doing that five times throughout a sales cycle, it's an expensive cost of sales. Now, sometimes you need that, right? No question. But what we're finding is our buyers are sophisticated enough that they may not need that, even at an enterprise six, seven figure deal. So inside sales and and changing the model and not deploying people because we think we should, are we shooting on ourselves or are we giving our customers the interaction they need? And so I'm passionate about it because sometimes we all do it is we're very inwardly focused and within our four walls. Instead of being, I need to balance and harmonize us as a business being inward and then having some other centered thinking like, oh man, what would really resonate with my buyer? What would resonate with them and make them happy and click for them? So could you describe the framework you've developed over the years and the one you employ now to help uh, a customer think through uh, creating and then uh, uh, enhancing an inside sales team? Yeah. So if we're, we're standing up a team, we have a framework and, and talk about what does it look like and what are the different metrics and desired outcomes and, you know, what are the plans and what, what are the revenue attainment goals and things of that nature. And so we step through that process and then we talk about onboarding and what's in place today and what's in place, you know, not in place. And so we we put all of these pieces that comprise a chessboard out there and, and we have benchmarks and, and we'll do a simple, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how effective is your onboarding? Um, what artifacts do you have? Is there a manager? Is there a coach? Is there a mentor program? And it, and it sounds very formal. Um, but it's more about just making sure people have somebody to talk to at the end of the day. So it's this framework that covers off on a semi-custom checklist for folks and then gets the team where they need to be, number one. And then number two, if we're doing kind of a refresh, we'll start with the checklist. Hey, on a scale of one to 10, what are the areas you think, how are you doing? And based upon how folks answer, that's where we'll start deploying different resources and and turning screws and things of that nature at the end of the day. You have a great phrase that I came across called teaching to fish. Could you explain that? Yes. So, um, you know, sometimes with our, our less, less seasoned um, salespeople, there's a lot of, Oh no, you know, marketing or so-and-so needs to write all the scripts and all that good stuff. Right. And I get it. Um, However, people aren't learning. And so at the end of the day, what we want to be able to do is teach people to fish. And so we want to, part of the framework we deploy is a teaching methodology um, that we'll we'll teach, we'll do teachbacks, and then we have people do on their own and we use scorecards. And so when we're teaching people to fish, it's an amalgamation of things that I've learned and different resources that are out there that we bring to the table that says you need to learn how to write an effective email, how to write an effective 
voicemail script or talking points for yourself, right? What resonates, what doesn't, things of that nature. So it's really about teaching folks um, the mechanics of messaging and it's teaching them kind of the best practices and motions of what it means to be a professional, because that's also missing for folks, right? What does that mean? Showing up on time, not telling off color jokes. We're not going to gossip. We're not going to do those certain things, right? We're going to own our calendar. We're going to um, set goals for the day and all that good stuff, right? So it's a lot of teaching to fish um, across the board, qualitative and quantitative. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned emails um, <laughs> because uh, years ago I read a book uh, on how to write an email and it yeah. frankly was one of the best books I ever read. A book, And what struck me was, and this is when email was relatively new, but now here, 25 years later, it is considered one of the most basic, probably pedestrian tools, but it can also be one of the most powerful properly employed. So uh, I am really was really intrigued and frankly, so pleased that you brought that up because it's something that everyone can, can learn. And it is, for my money, one of the most cost-effective tools around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you have to be able to write the punctuation, the grammar, right? All that good stuff needs to be there. Um, Having tone, all that good stuff. And whether you're writing an email or sending a message on LinkedIn or Facebook Messenger, that ability is something that everybody needs. So I was wondering if I could uh, maybe turn to kind of where we are now, Uh, certainly in in the pandemic. uh, I would have seen inside sales as becoming much more important this year since we can't do trade shows, we can't do conferences, you can't call on people you can't do many of the the events that a typical outside salesperson would do. But what are maybe two or two or three of the top uh, uh, either questions you're getting or pieces pieces of advice you're getting? Kind of where we are now. Yeah, so it's definitely a lot of how do I transition my outside sales team to be phone based or or talk via Zoom, right? So we're definitely seeing a lot of that. Um, I get a question of Dion, is video messaging a thing, right? So Vidyard and BombBomb and a few others. Yes, it is a thing. And you should know how to do that, right? So you just have to look good from like, here up, it'll be fine. So we're definitely seeing a lot of that. Um, And then seeing some of the sales leadership really step up and step in to support their people in ways that, man, they just haven't had to before and hopefully won't have to do again for a very long time. So that's been really, really great to see. What's the difference between managing and leading, particularly in the inside sales uh, perspective? Yes. Yes. So um, when I talk with leaders, I say, we manage things. I manage my calendar. I manage my finances. I manage a schedule, right? I manage my household. We don't manage people and we can manage a process, right? And we should have a process like lines on the road. We should never not have a system or process or or, um, steps to take at the end of the day. That's the first piece. But we don't manage people. We manage things. We manage a process. And so leadership, leadership and coaching is shepherding our people through that process, right? So it might be something along the lines of a sales leader, you know, we'll do, hey, what are the three things that are most important to you as a leader, right? Oh, our meetings start on time, people are prepared, all that good stuff. Great. 
So we roll out those expectations, those um, standards, if you will, right? And then when folks don't show up to a meeting on time or don't show up prepared, then we can have a separate coaching conversation around, hey, hopefully everything's okay, but why were you late, right? We're a team that starts and stops on time. We're a team that shows up prepared. So when we manage a process, it it allows us an easier way to coach and lead and shepherd our people at the end of the day. Why do you say that tone, attitude, and demeanor are so critical? Hugely critical Um, because people, I think especially nowadays, right? We're moving so fast. And, and number one and number two, just overall, it's very hard to hear past tone, right? So you may go and we we did a, um, we have a platform called Sales Class Live and we were doing some live sessions and we had a speaker and um, I had gotten some feedback for, from folks that this particular speaker style didn't resonate with this person, which is fine. However, not all of us are mature enough to listen past tone for a message. And so if we are delivering a message in any way, shape, fashion, or form, we're not necessarily, we're responsible for the impact of our words and tone is definitely part of that. So one of the things you advocated, and I found this really interesting with us, was a strength-based approach where people move in the direction that we're good at. And, and I found that so interesting because many of the coaching sessions I've had over the years really ask me to focus on what I'm not good at and try to uh, improve that. So I was wondering if you might be able to talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, and I agree with you. I think there's, there's a, a it's easy for us to, and for leadership and coaches and all that good stuff, right? I grew up as an athlete and, and played musical instruments and stuff. And so when when a note was wrong, it was wrong. And when your toes weren't pointed, it was, you know. Um, so it's very easy and it's significantly easier for us as humans to go after things that aren't right. It is much harder to look at somebody and go, wow, you're really good at X. You should focus on that. And so... Um, it reduces friction when we focus on the things we're good at, right? And so there's the four Ds, which I think started in production, but there's the four Ds of do, delegate, delete, and delay. And it speaks to being able to think critically about things, right? Where um, if I'm really good at speaking and being on the phone and, and all that good stuff, and I really struggle with sitting there and writing blog posts, well, then why wouldn't I do video messages for my blog posts, right? Like, why would I want to get better at writing blog posts if that's not my thing? For me to get a message out, it would resonate if I did it this way, right? And so that's why when we have inside sales teams or even outside sales teams, you need to have a basic requirement for writing. But if you've got folks that are really, really great writing and their emails are getting responses, great. Don't make them do video messaging if they don't want to. And then conversely, if you've got somebody who's really good at delivering some video messaging, but really bad emails, you have to do what works. So there is no one size fits all at the end of the day. There are basic minimum requirements and expectations. However, to really catapult into success, you need to make sure you're you're doubling down and tripling down on what people are good at. I was also more than interested and actually quite pleased to see that you wrote a blog post around um, fear, anxiety, and stress. And 
at this point in our lives, I can't really think of a much more appropriate uh, topic because you said focus on the things you can control. And I have to say that I've used that for a long time, and I particularly used it in March and April when I didn't know where things were going. But how do you uh, help people use that on an inside sales perspective? Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, the fear, anxiety, and stress, man, they are joy stealers at the end of the day. And so you got to kind of guard your your joy at the end of the day. So for inside sales, there's, there's, there's typically you know, one or two things that a team will, will kind of complain about and they'll focus on again, we're kind of back to focusing on the negative where it's like, Oh man, our leads are bad. The numbers weren't right. The emails weren't right. Right. This just bad. Okay. So that is literally 10% of their day. And so we'll talk about what can you control? You can control the list you have. You can control how you spend your time. You can control your messaging. You can continue to focus on and control the time you spend honing your craft, right? This literally, you know, 10% is not what gets the focus. The focus goes to what you can control. You can control what you eat, what time you get up, whether or not you have quiet time, workout, all that good stuff. And so it really falls to kind of what we were talking about before is teaching the concept and then coaching to it at the end of the day. So what makes um, Inside Sales by Design so unique other than you? Oh, thank you. Um, It's the fact that we do a lot of the coaching component with it. So not, I mean, anybody can go and you can Google how to stand up an Inside Sales team. There's plenty of information out there, right? You don't necessarily need me or somebody to do do that for you, right? Um, It's really about the coaching, I call myself the accountability partner, bringing some of those best practices, bringing the 20 years of experience with it, um, bringing the frameworks to the table, um, accountability framework, validation, all that good stuff. And then the continual coaching um, at the end of the day and being that sounding board for folks. And so it's myself and I have about six other individuals that I contract with to deploy for my clients at the end of the day because when when an organization is standing up an inside sales team, it's a revenue decision and there are reputations and there are things at stake. And so what we want to be able to do is have people trust the process and reside in that process and, and be peaceful in it and just execute at the end of the day. So that's what that's what people like about working with us and with me is the coaching piece. Yeah, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if anyone wanted any more information about yourself or uh, your company, where could they go? Thank you. Yeah, so definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. My cell phone number is there. The link to my calendar, uh, my cell phone number is there. You can also go to my website um, to take a look at that and some of the other blog posts and stuff. So I would say those two pieces for sure. And if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, more than happy to do that as well. And I would just encourage our listeners to to uh, connect with uh, Dion now because she's not only got a wealth of information that she can share with you, but the resources available on her website are just outstanding. So uh, please uh, go to, we're going to link in the show notes to your calendar invite, but also, as she said, go to her LinkedIn profile, connect with her and go from there. Dion, I really wanted to thank you for taking the time to visit with me. This has been a, a fascinating Uh, episode. And uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
Thanks for listening to the Future of Influence podcast. If you're interested in sharing your story by being a guest on our show, please visit https colon slash slash kingrajsingh.com slash podcast slash apply to apply. And if you liked what you heard, please also visit and follow us on all social media. Please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Once again, they call me King Raj Singh, and thanks again for listening to the Future of Influence podcast. Tune in next time.